We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to the Budding Heads Podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. Here as always with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, the you know, we were going to record this podcast three days ago, but we just decided to trade back in time slots three times with other podcasts, and here we are. How are you feeling? Well, I, I'm feeling so good. I might just trade up just to get this podcast out a little bit earlier. <laughs> We're trading back, and yeah, we were actually supposed to record Friday night, but we traded back up into the Wednesday morning podcast slot on Ramstock Radio, so here we are, wheeling and dealing, just like our guy Les Snead. It's the first butting heads after the draft. Of course, I am a well-versed draft expert, um, as I always say on this show. Uh, That's not true, but we're going to talk about the draft, of course, because this is kind of the last relevant football event for like a month for the Rams and we got to talk about it so 
before we get into everything, we're going to go all in on this draft, talk about the implications of what the Rams did, how we feel about the picks, how we feel about the fits, how we feel about the Rams addressing their needs in this draft. But before we do, guys, we have to remind you that we are everywhere we're getting your podcast. If we're not there, tell us we'll get there. Places like iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Player FM, Android, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Radio Public. And guys, don't forget to check out our podcast on the Clutch Points app. It's a great app to get you all sorts of football and basketball content. And don't forget to check out our other shows on the podcast feed. Ramstalk Radio, of course, our flagship show with Derek Ciapala. A lot of great draft content coming out of that show over the weekend. If you haven't listened to it, go catch up. Of course, Rams Uncensored and apparently Norm Hightower is coming back with his own um, film show, which I am sure we all are very excited for, uh, getting Norm back in the mix. But, Johnny, let's let's talk about the draft here. Obviously, we were supposed to pick at 31. A lot of people did not expect us to make that pick. And uh, in a shocking turn of events, we did not make that pick. We traded back from 31 to 45. We traded back from 45 to 56. And then we traded back from 56 to 61. Now, um, the some of those trade backs, here, here's a breakdown of all of them. When we were at 31, we traded 31 and 203 for 45 in the second round and 79 in the third round. Then we traded 45 for 56 in the second round and 101 in the third round. And then we traded 56 back to 61 and also picked up a later pick um number 167 which is in the fifth round now after we made these three trades we finally made a pick of 61 later in the draft we traded back up three times we traded 94 99 both third round picks to trade up in the third round to grab daryl henderson running back we traded uh pick 101 and pick 133 to move up four spots to 97 to draft Bobby Evans and we also grabbed picks 162 in that trade and later we traded picks 162 and 167 for the 143rd pick which we used to draft Greg Gaines as well as 243 which was used on Nick Scott I'm I don't know what do you what do you make of all of this was it the right decision to trade down was uh did it make sense considering how many times we traded back up I mean I don't know there's a lot to like think about here it was absolutely the right trade especially the uh um the the very first one um trading down to uh pick 45 it you know basically they the rams had in mind who they really wanted and this was kind of a surprising draft there was a lot of players selected in in areas that a lot of people weren't expecting which happens from time to time but not as frequent as it did. And even uh, a guy that I was really high on, you know, and a guy like Dexter Lawrence was selected really early in the draft. And after a while, you see all these uh, top players that the Rams are targeting. So in essence, after that, it was like, well, there, there still is a lot of talent, but the top talent that the Rams wanted was already gone, so why why uh, why stick around and uh, you know pick a guy at thirty one when you can get him later? And apparently, uh, Taylor, uh, Taylor Rapp, who they ended up taking after the third trade, 
uh, was someone that they were really high on, somebody that they would have taken at 31. So the fact that he was still there almost, uh, you know, almost uh, into the second round or third round, basically, you know, this is uh, this is actually kind of incredible. So, you know, I, I was really shocked to see Taylor Rapp still there. And I have to say, as someone that was that was trying to cover uh, the the very first pick that the Rams made, it was very frustrating trying to to get an article in when they kept trading down. It was almost <laughs> like they were trolling us, man. They they seriously were frustrating everybody. And you know, it all it all turned out to work out in their favor, I would say, and at least with the. You know, first uh, the first pick that they made. Um, but how are you feeling, Steve? It, mm, I, I've been mixed. I feel like I went back and forth on how I felt about just the aggressiveness of their trade backs. I I said in the show last week that if they were going to make that pick at thirty one, they had to grab a guy that they felt could be a starter on this team, and it, they probably. Didn't feel like any of those guys would be media starters. Uh, as you mentioned, Dexter Lawrence, um, Jeffrey Simmons, guys like that, they were long gone. They went even before we got to the 20s. So the, the D-tackle prospects that were probably high on our board were gone. So at that point, I think they definitely were committed to trading back. And they did pick up some decent draft capital on these trades, all in all, from moving back to 61. I think we picked up in the process 79, 101, and 167. Um, but yeah, they just they kept moving back and ended up taking a safety when they finally got there at sixty one. Now I will say Taylor Rapp seems like great value for that pick. Initially, I wasn't thrilled about it, but uh, you know the more I thought about it and looked into Taylor Rapp, I, I'm fine with the decision. It's just I don't know. Here's my thing, man. They traded up again later a bunch of times, and we're going to talk about all these prospects, but. Their first three picks were a safety, a running back, and a cornerback. And we're, at least for this season, we're pretty set at all those positions. We have a lot of money invested into our running back. We had we just signed a new safety, and we you know we think highly of John Johnson. Now, granted, it seems like a lot of people think Taylor Rapp will kind of fit into the role that. Mark Barron and to a lesser extent Marky Christian played last year we will we will see how that plays out but it's just kind of mind-blowing to me that given that the fact that right now they have three four guys that we drafted last year that didn't play a lot that'll be penciled in as day one starters uh in particular Noteboom, Brian Allen and Micah Kaiser really didn't play at all and they don't really even try to draft guys um, that could take over those spots. It says a lot about how they feel about those guys, I think, especially considering at 31 when they traded back, there was good lineman prospects on the board. Jawan Taylor, Greg Little, Cody Ford, Dalton Reisner were all still there. Uh, Those are all pretty solid prospects. Maybe they hope to get one of those guys at 45. Obviously, that didn't happen, and they bumped back again. Um, It's... I don't know, man. I like these players for the most part, at least in particular, Rap Henderson and and David Long seem like really good players, but 
we don't need I don't know how much we need these guys and I get building for the future the David Long pick makes a lot of sense because Peters and Tlaib are both expiring contracts you you get him at 79 he seems like a really solid player for that pick I think that's late enough to where like at 79 you could draft the starter for next year that you think will be able to do that role and you know in the past Lestine has been very good at getting corners in that range you know Tremaine Johnson obviously comes to mind uh Janoris Jenkins he's a little earlier but still um you get where I'm going with that it's just I don't know man it's it's weird that we took all these guys and the only one who really has a chance starting day one barring uh changes in personnel or injuries is Greg Gaines who kind of was a reach I mean I don't know it's just I don't know how I feel about that like in in the long run, all these picks should work out, yeah, and I think that a lot of them will. But it's just for a team that's going to contend this year and has holes, some serious holes that they didn't really fill up, and they're going to fill up with third, fourth, fifth round talent from last year. It just seemed kind of odd to me that they didn't even try to address those positions early on day two, uh, let alone day one. But that, that's where I'm standing. I guess it, all in all, I was happy they traded back in 31, but trading back twice after that, I'm not sure. I, I just, I'm not sure if I like that move. Well, I, I think it just kind of boils down to uh, I, I think they had an idea of who they wanted. In terms of offensive line, especially the the top uh, upper echelon uh, offensive linemen, you you mentioned a couple of key guys there, you know, guys like uh, uh, Jawan Taylor, um, Greg Little. You know, those are guys that are kind of uh, the upper echelon of this year's draft. But if we're going to be 100% honest, this year's draft class just isn't that spectacular, uh, at least in the top talent in the offensive line. And I think where Les Snead was kind of getting at was that I could technically draft an offensive lineman with our, you know, first pick, or I could trade back and get someone that he has just as much faith in. And while that may not necessarily be the case completely, I'm going to tell you a hundred percent right now. Um, maybe not so much with John Taylor. It actually stunned me that the guy dropped so far down, but um, guys like Greg little, I have no faith in that guy. Like this is a guy I recall him at the high school level and having like so many uh, recruits wanting this guy so badly because of how big he was. And basically that's really all you're getting with Greg little. Like uh, I believe it was the Carolina Panthers that ended up getting this guy and they're basically drafting him because of his size in terms of technique and everything else. This guy is raw at best like this this isn't a guy that you're gonna hope that is gonna really come out and and be your day one starter this is a guy that's you're, you're gonna hope learns from from your offensive alignment coach and hope you know something turns out um and while that could end up working in their favor i'm gonna say that there's about a 90 percent chance that he's either a career backup or someone they just end up cutting after like the second or third year because he he really didn't do much and then you got 
guy like uh, Bobby Evans, who they ended up getting, who, yeah, isn't, you know, considered, you know, a top tier talent. But also, but ultimately, I have a little more faith in him than a guy like Greg Little, because at least technique wise, he's uh, he's a lot better answer than Greg Little. And, and I know I'm kind of picking on Little. <laughs> you but, think? A little bit. <laughs> nice. Nice pun. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, that's kind of the point. Like, there was so many different guys here that you, you basically are, are hoping that uh, that's going to turn out. And it's all based on size. Sometimes it's athleticism. But um, there, there are other guys out there that I think – you know, Les Snead had his eyes on and, and wanted to roll the dice more because he feels like he would be a better fit for the team, whether it be this year or next year. And in in the case of uh, Taylor Rapp, while he may not be the technical starter of this year, I do think they're going to get him on the field. I do think that he may feel like a, like a Mark Barron-like role, uh, maybe uh, – even, you know, do a little bit of safety here and there, you know, come and step in for, for Eric Weddle, who isn't, you know, a spring chicken anymore. This is a guy that could use a few more breathers than, you know, in his heyday. So um, I, I, I like I ultimately like the moves. There was only really uh, a few of them that I kind of scratched my head at. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that later, though, uh, we'll, as we kind of go through each individual player. Yeah, I th- and we could just get right into it. We'll start talking about Taylor Rapp. I will say, you know, like I mentioned, I, I wasn't really thrilled when this pick happened, but if, if as everyone's saying, he could kind of step into that hybrid rover-type role, um, it seems like he's got a decent size to do it. He That's, that's, that's a good pick. He's a good value. He could take over full-time for um, Eric. Eric Weddle in two years, maybe even in one year if Weddle's only here for a year, or if they don't want to pay John Johnson, which I think we both agreed they probably should if he continues on the trajectory he's on. Maybe he takes over that role. But when you think about it, Marquis Christian played a lot last year, right? Like more, I feel like he was on the field as a straight-up defensive player like more than we would you would think. I mean, that's accurate, right? You know, you're absolutely right. He played a lot more than previous, you know, backup safeties go. So that in that regard, that's true. Yeah, and I think, you know, Taylor Rapp is probably better than him. I mean, I don't think any. I I don't have a problem with Marquis Christian. Um, it's not like he's someone a lot of us are that high on. And I think if Rapp can come in and take those reps and then spell some linebacker, um, when we're in one linebacker sets, three safety sets like we were with Christian decent amount last year, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd love to have him have him out there, and I think, uh, given the guys that were going around that range, I, I, I'm good with it. I think you know, there's they might have just not felt like any inside linebackers or linemen. You know, maybe the, maybe the linemen that were available at that pick they didn't feel like could compete with uh, Allen and Noteboom for those jobs. And I think, given how many linemen kind of went in between. 33 and 55 there, there wasn't really anyone left for them to take at 56 when they traded back again and then they got rap was the guy they obviously like um i think he fell a bit 
I, I don't think he was expected to go this late. Like you said, it's basically a third-round pick. So I'm good with it. I, I'm happy about Taylor Rapp, and I hope I think he'll be a contributor this season. Not a starter, but uh, a 12th man, so to say, and I, I think he'll have a use. Uh, he seems like a, a great fit. It's a versatile player that could fill different spots, and I, I think that's what the Rams are looking for with taking him. I, I kind of agree. I mean, this is a guy that um, I, I was pretty high on com- coming into the draft. So the fact that he he fell to the Rams after the third trade, I, I think we're good. Like, uh, honestly, I think in terms of value, it's there. Was it the number one need? Not necessarily, but that's kind of what Les Needs draft in the past have been, is not necessarily drafting out of necessity, especially with the first uh, couple of picks that he has. And I, I think it's worked out for us in the long run. But uh, Taylor Rapp, I think he just really liked him. And the fact that he was still there, he just had to pounce on him. And and uh, tell you the truth, I, I'm kind of glad he did just because looking at the other talent that was around him, he was clearly the best choice available in my opinion. Yeah, I'm good with it. And uh, I, I wouldn't say I love it, but I like it. I'm fine. But speaking of positions that we didn't think we had a need, uh, the Rams traded up to 70 to draft Daryl Henderson running back out of Memphis. Now, if you watch Henderson's tape, the the guy is insane. Uh, he was a projected uh, NFL.com had him between the second and third rounds. We obviously got him in the, the third, but pretty early in the third. He has the NCAA record for 8.2 yards per rush that's ever uh if i read my my stats correctly but we have about 60 million dollars invested into our top running back and we traded up to get this guy and malcolm brown is still on the team for two more years who's a fine backup i i just if anything, this just sets off alarms about Todd Gurley. Uh, maybe they love this guy. He seems like he's going to be a good player. Um, and he seems like he'd be a great spell back for Todd Gurley. Uh, change of pace kind of seems like the role he's fit for in the NFL. He's explosive as hell. Uh, the guy ha- the guy is has a chance of taking his house pretty much every time he touches the ball. Similar to Alvin Kamara in that regard. He had 43 carries last season of over 15 yards and 11 total touchdowns of 54 plus in 2018 alone. Um, I, I just it's weird that they traded up for running back at 70. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't I don't know it. This doesn't feel right to me. I don't know how you feel about it. We have a lot of money to pay Tech Gurley over the next couple of years. In, in one way, I kind of agree with you that it is a little bit weird to trade up for. Uh, a running back just because, like you said, we invested so much money into Todd Gurley. But the reality is is that, yes, we did invest so much, but that was kind of before his you know, condition, whether it be arthritis or another type of knee injury. And what, what's actually kind of borderline insulting at this point is that I, I was hearing interviews from Sean McVay uh, I, I actually, now that I think about it, I'm not sure if it was McVeigh or if it was Snead. I, I believe it was McVeigh, though, where he was basically commenting that um, 
the the trade up for Henderson wasn't necessarily to uh, uh, you know it, it doesn't imply that it's because they're concerned about Todd Gurley's knee injury, and it's like why is this becoming so secretive? Like I don't get it. At this point, this pretty much proves that you're at least somewhat concerned about Todd Gurley's uh, condition. Because if you weren't concerned at all, then you wouldn't be going after a running back, especially trading up for one. And keep in mind that Henderson, while he wasn't drafted in the first round, this is a guy that you want as your starter, or at least a complimentary back. You know, this isn't a guy that you get there, oh, yeah, he's going to go in there and compete for some playing time. No, this is a guy that you want as your compliment. And like you said, we have capable backs. We have Malcolm Brown, John Kelly, who, you know, you and I both were high on, but maybe not so much uh, uh, Sean McVay for whatever reason. But uh, that's still not even proven yet either. He's only been with the team for one season. And then, yeah, there's Justin Davis, but, I mean, at this point, it's going to be tough for Davis to make the roster. Yeah, his days are his days are numbered. Yeah, I think so, too. But, um, <laughs> so that, that just, it, it becomes irritating that they're not, they're not uh, talking to us about what's going on with Todd Gurley's knee, because it, it's, it's fairly obvious. Now, the only other explanation that they could suggest and and to be honest it's borderline bullshit at this point is that they they basically drafted Henderson so that they can be that change of pace guy like how CJ Anderson was and I and I think the point here is that they wanted CJ Anderson back and I and I'm it's pretty obvious why they would but they couldn't afford him and that's just the reality of it. And so they're basically trying to make Henderson the next Anderson. But now you're you're stuck. You're 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 stuck trying to to put Henderson there next to to Todd Gurley and you almost have to at this point because you moved up to get them uh to get Henderson at this point and that part confuses me a little bit not that Henderson isn't worth it because I think he is going to uh, do some great things with the Rams but again you you have so much talented running backs at this point it's like you really need to focus elsewhere and I I think Sean McVay was just kind of really uh, was just really impressed with Henderson overall that they want he wanted to have like this guys you know another arsenal uh point on this team which he can be he certainly can be and and i think he isn't going to be just the running back he's also going to be a guy out in the backfield also that could be that threat too which basically malcolm brown could do the same thing so again um this is where it gets a little bit confusing but um (laughs) at this point I i think the only people that the Rams are fooling at this point is themselves because it's become clear as day that they're at least a little bit concerned about Todd Gurley's knee injury. Clearly. You can't, you don't make this move if you're not concerned at all because you're paying him so much money. Um, Just for clarity here, I'm looking at his contract. He is making 
uh, yearly cash five million this or uh, a nine million dollar cap hit this year, seventeen million next year, thirteen the year after that, fourteen the year after that, and twelve and a half the year after that. There's an out before the twenty two season. We lose four million in dead cap, but still, like you don't trade up to the for a, a change of pace back when your running back is a three down back when he's healthy, which apparently I don't think he is. I mean. We yeah I know they love what they had with C.J. Anderson and um and against Dallas that one two punch was awesome but neither of them did much against New Orleans or New England and Todd Gurley I don't think he loved being off the field for that long chunk of time like he was against New Orleans it's it's just bizarre to me that they make this move for a guy that you know in a perfect world if your running back's healthy isn't gonna play that much he's gonna be a spellback change of pace. You trade. You know, I don't know if you trade up for that, especially considering they already have a ton of weapons on this offense, and they already have a cable backup, as we both mentioned a bunch of times already. Malcolm Brown is a pretty good backup running back. I mean, he's not nothing crazy. Henderson obviously is a much higher ceiling, but it's just it's crazy that they they actually did this. Um, but you know, now that he's on the team, I like Henderson as a player. I think he's going to add something to this offense that. Um, Without Anderson, might have not been there. He he can hit home runs, obviously, but at the same time, he was playing in the American Athletic Conference. This isn't exactly top-notch talent. The guy that that Memphis was playing, uh, may, now it's it's gonna be. It's just, I'm all I'm saying is it's gonna be a different ball game trying to replicate what he was doing against NFL offenses. I mean, look what Tavon Austin was tearing shit up in college, and they, that didn't work out great for him in the pros um I I I don't know I like Henderson as a prospect but to trade up for a guy who's not not a perfect fit for the team I guess and is backing up um you know a one a, a position where there's only one guy on the field usually and our guy is one of the best in the league either there are crazy concerns about Todd Gurley Either Henderson is – they had him as a first-round grade and he just fell, or it's a bad pick. I think those that's it. It, it. It's one of those three. And, I mean, I hope it's the middle one. I hope they're just really freaking high on Henderson. But it, it feels like to me that either something's wrong with Gurley or this pick's just not going to age well. I don't know. Uh, I, I will say this about Henderson – well, we're kind of dogging the pick a little bit just because of, you know, the confusion of the the current talent that's on the roster. For me, that's the only reason why I don't like this pick. It's nothing really against Henderson. It's more along the lines against um, just how much talent we have there. And while we have this amount of talent, it's like all of these guys are not going to be able to contribute to a point where it's like, why do we have them? And so, uh, for me, Henderson is is a is a solid pickup because this is a guy that has the potential to um, boost up this uh, running back core. But how much? I don't know because again, this is there's just a lot of talent already. You put him in a loaded running back core, so uh, we're not even sure if we're going to see the best of him, which. I think, you know, because of how talented Sean McVay is as a coach, I think he'll figure a way to, to work him in there. But I I don't know at this point if you're going to be able to 
uh, get him in that much with a guy like, you know, <laughs> with the with so much talent there, it's just it's just ridiculous at this point. Can you think of a time where the Rams spent a third round pick on a position where they can only really play one guy at the position at a time? Uh no. Uh, no, there, I can't. There's this, yeah, there was a quarterback a couple years ago that we took in the third round that the pick aged pretty terribly <laughs> and the guy never played. Uh, I think this will be better than that, but I, <laughs> I was thinking running backs, man, and then you went and brought him up your 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 BFF, and you know, oh man, <laughs> hey, I got to sneak in Sean Mann imagines where I can. Uh, well, we'll see how that plays out, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about Henderson a lot more in the coming months, but. Before we get to the back end of these this draft, guys, we have to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk, and his book, Hollywood's Team, Great Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This is a great read for anyone who wants to learn more about the Rams' history or just loves a good story um, about a, you know, this book is about the 1950s Rams who lends of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 53 to 57, played an NFL championship game, and, and more importantly, was a father. It's a son story of his father. It's the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Future Hall of Famers and great players such as Norm Van Brocklin, Bob Waterfield, Tom Fears, Les Richter, and Crazy Legs Hirsch. Even Night Train Lane is in this book a little bit. It's a book that spans the 1950s Los Angeles Rams and the city of L.A. and the landscape as a whole in the nifty 50s. You can find Hawk's book online at HollywoodSteam.com. You can also find it on Twitter at HollywoodSteam. It's available in both hardback and electronic format, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And you can also find this book just through various booksellers on the internet. Paperback is coming in September. Guys, this book is worth every penny for any Rams fan out there. Johnny Reddy, he loved it. I'm in the process of reading right now. I'm loving it. It's just, it's a great book, guys. And it's just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Guys, trust me. Hollywood's team, grit, glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is well worth your time. The Rams' next pick at 79, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier, cornerback David Long out of Michigan. This was the initial pick they received from trading back at 31. So I think moving back from 31, picking up this pick, grabbing David Long, it makes that decision worth it. Uh, what I don't know if I still don't know how I feel about moving back from 45 all the way to 61 and not picking up. Um, you know, not it wasn't great draft capital, uh, but it, basically the draft capital we got allowed us to move up and grab Daryl Henderson, Bobby Evans, and Greg Gaines easier. So we'll talk about those guys. But I like this pick a lot. I know I mentioned I wanted starters, but uh, when you're at this point in the third round, if you could get a guy who feels like he could be a starter long term, but doesn't have to be this year, I think that's a good move. Uh, he was a Shut down, lockdown cornerback last last season at Michigan. He led the led the NCAA with allowing just twenty nine percent reception rate on his targets last season, which is crazy. Uh, he seems like he, he'll be able to make the transition to the NFL. He's just really just when you're get when you're getting a guy with these accolades coming in at seventy nine, uh, you got to be excited about it. And a keep to leave Marcus Peters are expiring after the season. Who knows if they'll have the money to keep either of them, if those guys will even be back uh, with Peters. We'll see how he performs this year. Maybe we want him back, maybe we don't. But it's nice to get a guy who 
seems like we could believe in him to be the starter next season, even if we don't see a ton of him this year. And I think we will see a little bit of him this year as a spell cornerback, uh, maybe even work in, in in the nickel if if we can fit him in there. But I, I like this pick. I was happy with it. How would you feel? To be honest with you, that was this is probably my favorite pick in the in the draft for the Rams. And I, think I think it's the you. favorite pick out of yeah. I think it's the favorite pick out of just about everyone. Uh, you know this he he's certainly one of the better cornerbacks in in the draft, and to get him at seventy nine is is actually nothing short of amazing. And you know this is a guy that you you essentially need on the Rams because you know one of the things about um Marcus Peters who I'm assuming that the Rams are going to attempt at least to bring back um I I don't know about a keep to leave I think it'd be nice to bring him back uh maybe on a veteran contract friendly uh contract if if they if they can get that out of him but that's kind of doubtful so I think that's kind of what they're going to do is ultimately resign a guy like Marcus Peters and at the same time I think we've all kind of realized the type of cornerback that Peters is. He's a type of guy that you need to have like that complimentary cornerback to make him effective because he's an all or nothing guy. Uh, meanwhile, on, on behalf of Long, Long is more of a guy that is going to, um, he may not give you like the, the stats, but he's going to make sure that he, he has his side of the field locked down. And at that point, you know, you have that kind of secure coverage guy. And then uh, on on the other hand, you have your playmaker and, and Marcus Peters. That's the combo that you essentially need. And I think that's where Les Snead was going for. Because while it would be nice to bring both uh, Tlaib and Peters back, the reality of the situation is chances are they can only bring back one. So at least now you still have uh, Peters. And who better to learn from than Tlaib or or uh, um, or Peters at this point. So I, I love the pick. Uh, it may not help us as far as bringing in a starter for this year, but this is a guy that I know is going to be a starter for years to come. Yeah, I love it, man. It reminds me, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, 2012, the Rams took Tremaine Johnson with the 65th pick. He sat behind Cortland Finnegan for a year. But oh, God. <laughs> and Janoris Jenkins went earlier in that draft. He ended up start being the starter alongside Finnegan. But uh, look what happened, Tremaine. He got he got to learn under uh, behind Finnegan for a year. He uh, he played a, he played a decent amount that year, but he wasn't. He only started three games. He steps in the next year, arguably becomes better than Jenkins. I mean, the the team chose him over Jenkins, which I've mentioned. I disagreed with that decision, but. Uh, it is what it is. They're both very good players during their times here, but it, this this feels like it could be another Trumaine Johnson. And if we could get a Trumaine Johnson type talent with seventy nine, I'm all for it, man. He Trumaine was good. He was a very good player. Uh, do I expect? Uh, I I think it's more realistic that David Long becomes the next Trumaine Johnson than the next you know Akib Talib. But that's fine at seventy nine. That that's completely fine. That that's a cornerback you want. When you have Peters on the other side, you feel good about those combos. I do think there's a chance to leave stays next year, uh, depending on the money that's going to be out there. I, he's he's getting up there. I don't know if it'll be a lot. I could see him wanting to just stick around, play for contender on a team friendly deal, uh, and ending his career. 
But yeah, man, th- I don't think there's a ton about to say about this pick outside of it seems like David Long could be a starter after this season for the Rams. And unlike everyone else on this list, the path is pretty clear to him being that starter uh, more so than anybody else. Let, we can let's talk about the other third round pick we made. Bobby Evans, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma. The Rams traded up from 101, traded up four spots, gave up and uh, moved back 30 spots later in the draft to grab Bobby Evans. He primarily a tackle, can play both left to the right side. So again, this is a guy who's probably not going to see the field this season. Kind of seems like if he's going to have a role in the future, he'd be groomed to take over Andrew Whitworth's role after this year. And Nopum would end up becoming a guard, which he's slated into play right now. What do, you, what do you think of this pick? Well, I don't know if I would have selected him as high as they did. I am still happy that they did pick up Bobby Evans because, uh, like I said about you know some of the earlier guys, I I do think that he has a lot more promise than some of them, and he doesn't cost and he won't cost nearly as much. And for that reason, I think it's a solid pickup. Uh, like you said, they're uh, they're probably going to try and groom him uh, to play uh, left tackle at some point. Which, like I told you, I'm not sold on Joseph Noteboom take playing the left tackle spot. So I was really happy they went after this guy. This is a guy that I think has the potential to be a starter in this league, um, but he he's a little on the raw side. And I think if he continues to learn and develop. Uh, this is he's gonna be a steal. Like I really feel like he has that potential, um, but I, I think it's gonna take a little bit of time, and it's gonna he's gonna probably have to go through some growing pains. If I'm gonna be 100 percent honest, but hopefully, you know, this is a guy that can learn behind both Sean McVay and Andrew Whitworth. Quite frankly, I don't know if there's a better left tackle to learn from in this league. So I, I really do love the pick. I think it's solid. Um, again, maybe a little on the high side to, to take him there, but um, hopefully Bobby Evans can be that guy um, to fill in, you know, uh, Whitworth's shoes at some point. Yeah, we'll see, man. I, I think it's good in the sense that we kind of alleviate the pressure on Joseph Nobu to have to move back to tackle if Evans can be what he hopes. Uh, it's going to be weird next year if it all plays out like we hope, and we went from Andrew Whitworth and Roger Saffold to. Bobby Evans and Joseph Noteboom on the left side of the line, but we'll see what happens, man. They could both end up becoming solid linemen. And yeah, it's you've long mentioned your concerns about Noteboom playing Andrew Whitworth's spot. So this is nice to bring in another guy that if he works out, he takes that rollover. And if not, they, they just continue to plug in with Noteboom, who they took in a similar position last year. Let's move on to day three, pick four. Round four, pick 134, another pick the Rams traded up. They gave up 162 and 167 for 134. The draft, defensive tackle, Greg Gaines out of Washington. Another guy that kind of felt like it might be a reach, but the Rams graded him out really high, uh, despite other people not grading him out as high. But this is why they're getting paid by teams to scout players and not getting paid by websites. No disrespect to all my, my fellow bloggers out there, but maybe, maybe they know more than we do. I don't know. But Greg Gaines, they said they wanted him. He was their priority to get on day three. Even if you're reaching a little, I mean, you gave up pick 162 and pick uh, 167. 
I mean, the odds of both of those guys being, you know, liking them as much as you like Greg Gaines, if that's the guy you like, I'm fine with trading up and going to get him. I don't know if this is the guy I personally would have traded up for, uh, but Gaines fills a position that the Rams needed to get somebody at. Defensive tackle to kind of fill in for an Adam Kinsu. I, I think it'll be a mix of him and John Franklin Myers next year, but it, they got a guy that they like. Hopefully they think he could step in and contribute right away at this position because we need somebody to. But how, how do you, how do you feel about Greg Gaines? Well, here's the thing. I, this is probably my second favorite pick out of the entire draft. And the reason being is because while uh, some people think it's a, a reach and maybe it was a little bit, but to tell you the truth, I love this pick because this is a guy that I know really well. I mean, not as a person, obviously, although <laughs> if, he wants, if, if he wants to, uh, if he wants to send me some cash once he starts making the, the, the big money, then he's more than welcome to. But um, as far as uh, what I mean by that is I, I'm a Pac-12 guy. My favorite football team is uh, UCLA. Yeah, they suck. But, um, <laughs> yeah, part of the thing for me is I, I love college football, especially in the Pac-12. So I do see a lot of um, Pac-12 games, especially when it comes to Washington. And, you know, Gaines, he's a guy that can step in and fill this role. Um, I don't know if he can be as dominant as, like, say, a Nakdamak and Sue, you know, in his prime. But I, I think that, you know... Now that Sue's kind of in the latter half of his career, he may be able to, you know, step up and play play it to the best of his ability and maybe at some point reach a Sue-type level. And I think in this type of system, I think it favors more gains than it would Sue anyway. And at the same time, this also gives uh, the opportunity for Michael Brockers to remain where he's at as opposed to moving him, you know, back into, uh, you know, the middle, which, you know, that's not exactly where he he's designed to play uh, on a three four system. So, I think in this with this pickup, it's gonna make everyone happy. And then again, you uh, also have uh, a guy like John Franklin Myers who could step in um, and be that kind of rotational guy. So, I really love this pick a lot. I think uh, that it's going to be one of the more underrated uh, selections that the Rams make. But um, what will he start? Uh, will he start and be as productive as we want him to be? Uh, it's hard to say because while I do think he can he, he can be that uh, role player, I don't know if he can step up right away. Just because again, it's the NFL. It's not it's not college football anymore. So. It's going to be a, at least a little bit of a transition for the guy. So hopefully he can be the guy that uh, I think he can be and maybe even to the to an extent that the Rams think he can be. Because if so, the Rams may have got himself a steal uh, with this pick. You could say something like, I don't know if you can really trust a guy who you picked on day three to you know come in and either be a starter or an immediate contributor. Well... We got three guys from day three slated in as starters this year from last year's draft that didn't really play a lot last year. So uh, I I think we should try to expect Gaines at least to contribute. Maybe not be the starter, but like 
we're going to need somebody in there to be like the first guy off the bench. And I kind of hope he can do it. I, I think there's a chance he can. But I mean, when you're trusting guys like Brian Allen and Micah Kaiser to be starters, why, why can't you put some trust into Greg Gaines? I don't see why not. David Edwards was our next pick, round five, pick 169, offensive tackle out of Wisconsin, which is basically an offensive line factory. So you got to like getting a guy out of Wisconsin, uh, even if it's this late. No, I think he's got a chance to, if you're coming out of that system, I think there's a chance you can come come in and become a, a decent player. Maybe he ends up just being a role player um, as, a, as you know, the first lineman off the bench. I don't know, but... I'm fine with it. It's the fifth round. You got some line depth. Got a guy that can have a chance. Uh, you got any more thoughts on him? I mean, basically, the reason why they drafted him is uh, because he he provides you know versatility. You know, n- maybe not uh, someone that's going to be a starter per se, but someone that can you know uh, fill in a fill in a hole temporarily. You know, to get a guy a breather or even uh, to maybe filling as a as a temporary uh, starter if you know one of the guys goes down so I, I do like the fact that he's so versatile and um, I was even reading reports that uh, Snead wants to use him as you know a guy that can play all four positions which I don't know if I would go that you know <laughs> go that crazy but uh, you know I will say he can at least play both guard and tackle uh, he'd be he'd look kind of funny at center I'm just saying but, um, you know, hey, you know, if, if he can do a good job at center, why not? Let's let's give it a shot. But uh, I, I do like the pick. I think it, it was kind of a nice depth pick, which we we both know, you know, offensive line is kind of thin. So um, adding Edwards, I, I think, was was perfect at this, you know, at the fifth round pick. I'm with you. I like this pick. Made two picks near the end of the seventh round. Let's start at 243 with Nick Scott, safety out of Penn State. Team captain on Penn State, uh, you know, had a lot of success playing at Penn State, was a really respected teammate. Seems like the guy that can come in and be an immediate special teamer. I mean, you don't need every pick to become contributors on the offensive or the defense side of the ball. If it's, you know, in the seventh round, you can get a guy that can come in and be a very solid special teamer. I think you do it. He's quick. He's fast. He has huge burst. Uh, he, had a, he had a block kick last year. I mean, it, this is kind of, if you're going to draft someone and be like, hey, we can get a nice contributor on special teams here, potentially, this is the kind of guy you pick. I, I, I don't think he really has a chance to contribute as a safety on defense this year. You know, maybe he surprises. Maybe he de- develops and becomes a good player, but. Seems like he'll be, he's a great fit for special teams and just a, a great uh, a great guy to have on the locker room. I guess I'm I'm happy with this one. Uh, if you can talk yourself into a player in the seventh round for any reason, I, I think you got to be happy with it. Yeah, uh, one of the things I was looking at on Twitter was uh, a lot of people, you know, that were still actually watching the draft were a little upset seeing the Rams go after another safety. But to tell you the truth, I think they completely missed the point. It wasn't so much drafting this guy to play safety, because in all actuality, if, if he has to, um, if he has to make the roster as a safety, he's probably not going to make the roster just because of his kind of inexperience at the position. He only really played a little bit um, during you know his full collegiate year at, at safety. But as a uh, as a special teamer, this was a guy 
that did really, really well. And I, I don't, I think people undervalue how much special teams, you know, means it isn't just, you know, having a guy return, which by the way, he could also uh, return, although we have a solid guy in Jojo Natson. So um, maybe he provides a little competition there. He, he also did do some returns here and there, but um, what a lot of people undervalue is the, you know, the return coverage guys, you know, uh, going back to like even like the old school Patriot days, not old school, but you get the idea, the older Patriot days where guys like Teddy Bruschi really, really shined, you know, um, this is a, the type of guy you really want for your team and want to, you know, play for your team for a very long time. So uh, I am happy with, with uh, Nick Scott. Again, like you said, seventh rounder, why not? I mean, look at the modern Patriots, man. Matthew Slater's been on the team since 2008. The guy literally doesn't do anything but play special teams. Seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro, three-time Super Bowl champion. I mean, they he, he doesn't play, like, at all outside of playing special teams. And, I mean, if you could get a guy like that, I, I don't think he's going to be Matthew Slater. Matthew Slater might be, like, a as ridiculous as it sounds for his role, like those guys like that don't really come, come around that often, but that's, it fits the mold at least to say with Nick Scott. All right, Johnny, let's get to the last picture. And I'm not going to lie. I maybe watched it. I watched day three a little early on. Didn't really watch the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Turned out with about five picks left. Did not expect to see anyone I knew get picked. And lo and behold, at 251, the Rams draft my guy, Dakota Allen, linebacker out of Texas Tech. Anyone who's watched Last Chance U knows this guy. He was in season two, came to EMCC uh, he, to give his backstory. He was a second-leading tackler as a retro freshman at Texas Tech, got dismissed from the team for second-degree burglary charges, um, goes to Eastern Mississippi Community College, just happens to be one of the two years that they have this show, Last Chance U. Great football documentary on Netflix. If you haven't checked it out, highly recommend it, especially if you want to get to know Dakota a little bit. Uh, he's a standout for this team on and off the field. Uh, he seems like he's really rehabilitated himself after obviously going through some shit. It comes back, gets recruited back to Texas Tech, which I feel like does not happen that often. Starts back-to-back seasons and was voted the team captain both seasons. So, I mean, clearly... People like and respect this dude enough to get him back on the team and then voted a captain, which means the players and the coaches in the school as a whole must have really high thoughts on this guy. As as a fit for the Rams, I mean, we don't have any linebackers. Like, literally, Corey Littleton hasn't reported to camp yet. Micah Kaiser didn't play last year, really, and he's about to be slated as a starter. I don't think it's crazy to say that he has a chance to get reps a little bit because there's nobody else there he was a stud at texas tech he started every year he was on the team uh i mean it's just i i think he will contribute as a special teamer at least i think he'll make the team because um i don't know it just seems like fate will get this guy on the team and because we don't have linebackers really if he can go into camp and show potential as being a linebacker he, he, he'll he make the team, and I think he might have a chance to get a couple snaps this year. I mean, I don't know. I I personally am not super, um, completely sold on Micah Kaiser, even though I did like him coming out of the draft more than Allen probably, but 
he didn't play last year at a weak position, and now he's stepping in to be the undisputed starter. And we'll see if the team adds anyone else in free agency, but as it is right now, Allen, I, I don't think it's insane to say Allen might compete for some snaps. And I really hope he makes the team, and ultimately I think he will. But it's it's a little too early to say that. But I, I don't know. You probably have much less thoughts on the third to last pick in the draft than I do. No, on the contrary, actually. Uh, I okay. like I like Rhode Allen a lot. Uh, personally, like uh, I, I think that this guy would have been a much higher pick had he not had you know the off-the-field issue there. And don't get me wrong – you know, for, for any team, you want the least amount of distractions out there. But for a guy like Dakota Allen, I feel like he could have been at least at least a third-round pick had he stayed cleaned. Like, I, I, I am that high on this guy. I think he, he can contribute. Um, I, I don't think he can be a day-one starter. I, I think it would be a little bit out there to think that. But I do think that this is a guy that could work himself into a to a playing time role, and I I think that if he's really serious about redemption, really serious about staying clean, really serious about becoming the the man that he wants to be, then he has an opportunity to redo his whole life. And let's face it, there there's a lot of guys that don't get that second opportunity. And I think he's going to take advantage of it. I really – and you know what? I'm rooting for the guy. I really am because, you know, while I don't condone what he did, I I think in the end I think he realized his mistakes and I think that he's going to make the most of his opportunity now, or at least I'm hoping so. So um, personally, I, I really do like uh, Allen and for <laughs> pretty much – close to as mystery relevant as you can get. Um, I I like the pick. I think it was really solid. So kudos to Les Need on, on that pick because uh, I, I don't know if there was really a better player right there. No, yeah. And it, if you can, we can get this excited for a guy at 251, I, I mean, you, you got to applaud the pick. And to give a little more context on Allen, his incident was um, which the charges were dropped. Yeah, him and two other Texas Tech teammates all got released from the team, but it was a home burglary and gun theft, uh, which is what they were charged for, but all the charges were dropped. You could say, yeah, a crime is a crime, and yeah, he did the crime, and he did the time, and he came back, and by all accounts, he seems clean as a whistle right now outside of his past. It, I mean, the crime he got accused, uh, arrested for, I mean, it's... It's when that's a crime that you end up in a really shitty situation in life and you do something stupid. Um, I think that's, you know, robbery is something that as a person, it there's a path to coming back from it without being labeled as you know a criminal and a bad dude overall. Yes, it's a very, very shitty thing to do, and yeah, he he should have gotten kicked off the team for it, and he did, and he worked his way back onto the team, which I think says a lot about him, and I think, um. there's no reason at this point in time to think that there should be any character concerns to me personally after, you know, watching him on the show and watching him, uh, uh, you know, just knowing what we know about him going back to Texas Tech. And you could say stuff like, yeah, it's a TV show, but they don't portray everybody on the show to being a great dude who's 
doing everything they can to rehabilitate themselves. A lot of people that are on the show don't. Uh, a lot of people, if you watch the show, there's guys that came to the school because they did shitty things and did shitty things again. And he's not one of those guys. And I, I truly believe he's turned it around. And I'm rooting for him, man. It's, I haven't rooted for a seventh-round pick on the Rams as hard as I will root for Allen in a long time. So uh, I'm, st- I'm stoked that we get a guy like that on the team. It's, it should be a lot of fun to watch him in the preseason and hopefully in the regular season. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you got any last thoughts here on the draft before we wrap up? Uh, just that I think if anyone's out there that is questioning, like, you know, cause I I've seen kind of a mixture of responses for, for this uh, draft. And if anyone's like kind of questioning, like, it completely now it's fine to question some of it because like even you know you and i have our fair share of questions but there are some people that are kind of taking it completely wrong like i've seen people saying like this is the worst draft that they've ever seen and that you know sneed totally tanked it and i'm like no i mean it, it could it have gone differently sure but this was basically a plan for the future. And I think that's what people need to realize. You know, it may not have that immediate punch, but keep in mind, guys, we didn't have low round picks either. You know, or we didn't have high round picks. My, my apologies. Yeah. Right. We, didn't, we didn't have high round picks. You know, th- this wasn't, we didn't have a shot at guys like Devin white or anyone like that. It would have been nice, but we went to the Super Bowl last year, guys. So no, we're not going to have high high picks. So that's something to consider. And uh, while there is still holes, admittedly, I think we're good. Like honestly, I, I think this is one of the uh, best ways we could have done. Uh, could have gone a little bit better. Hey, some things doesn't uh, didn't go their way. So keep that into consideration. I, what I like that they did in this draft was they drafted it. Everyone they drafted was a stud um, last year in college for the most part. Uh, I need to confirm on two more guys before I, I declare the stat out there, but um, I will do that while I talk. I, I just like that, like, you know, they these guys aren't really pro- – you know, some of the later guys, yeah, they're, they're project-y, but I think, like – with, even with guys like Dakota Allen or Nick Scott, when they step into the when they step onto the field for Week One, you're gonna know or not know if they got a chance to be something or not. Like in, in training camp, you're gonna find out quickly. Like this seems like these guys like they were studs in college and will know if they can adjust to the pro game or not. I think quicker than we would think, and I I, I just I love I love that these are guys that are decorated college athletes for the most part. Um, Okay, here's my stat. Out, Nick Scott didn't make any all-conference teams. David Edwards was two times second-team all-conference. Everybody else was first-team all-conference last year in their respective conferences, and Daryl Henderson was first-team All-American. So, I mean, these are guys that were dominant college players pretty much. Uh, I mean, I could say that at least about Rap, Henderson, and Allen were all, and Long, all phenomenal, phenomenal college players. And, you know... You like to get the sexy project picks. You like to bring in the DK Metcalfs, but these guys, yeah, they're not. A, they're not as you know. The ceilings aren't at sky high for a lot of them, but 
most of these guys, their ceilings are at least starters. And I, and this more attainably than, you know, whatever, like a, a DK Metcalf type project player can be. I mean, yeah, that guy has a chance of being one of the best receivers in the league, but he also has a chance of being Brian Quick immediately. So I, I respect that they went with guys that all seem like they're already good players and we'll find out rather quickly whether or not they will be able to adjust the pro game. And I think most of them will be able to. Uh, I think I'm confident in these picks. Really, the only picks that I didn't like were because we didn't really need the players. I think Daryl Henderson is a very good prospect, but I just I don't like taking a running back that high. And yeah, I don't I don't know. That's that's about it, though, man. They're all these are all st- stellar prospects for where we got them. I think for the most part. On a side note, there, I would rather have Cooper Cup than DK Metcalf. Just saying. <laughs> well, I think with DK. That's the kind of guy that if you take him at 32, you're like, Jesus Christ, like, what the fuck are we doing? But you take him at 64, you're like, okay, yeah. DK Metcalf at the end of the second round, uh, the greatest player in the history of the NFL draft combine. Like, hell yeah. Why not? I, I could, I could definitely, I mean, I don't, we don't need him. So it'd be a whole nother conversation. We took him, but, uh, if I'm Seattle, I, I love that pick at 64. Uh, I, I think it's a great pick. If they took him at in the third in the first round, no. But second round, yeah, man. But yeah, I wouldn't trade Cooper Cup for him right now. Uh, I wouldn't do us any good. Nope. <laughs> you, you, I, I I really like Cooper Cup, and I I really think that if he stays healthy, uh, Cooper Cup is going to be a stud this year. Yeah, and a weird comparison to DK Metcalf because they literally could not be more different players. This is true. They om- the only thing they have in common is that they play the same position. <laughs> they they both catch footballs. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah, we'll probably talk a little bit more about the NFC West and how they did in the draft in coming weeks. But uh, we're over an hour here, so we're going to wrap this up. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to us, uh, follow us on Twitter at TalkRams, Facebook.com, at Facebook.com. What, what the hell did I just say? <laughs> I'm plugging Facebook here, uh, just in general. Um, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Rams Talk. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Ciberbero and Johnny at Johnny56, 506. Hey, uh, I personal plug, I'm recording an episode of my podcast, Taz and Little Stevie, tomorrow, and we'll be talking about Avengers and Game of Thrones. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, uh, find my podcast, Taz and Little Stevie, on iTunes or just Find me on Twitter at Ciberbarrow, and I will hook you up with the link. And, of course, you get us, give us a five-star review wherever you're listening. If you like our show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere, guys. For Johnny, Steve, talk to you next week. You can't.
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.